Haven't seen it is the greatest podcast you've ever listened to. You'll rate it five stars and listen. And then also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at SeenItPod. You'll tell all your friends. Josie and the Pussycats coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where at least one of us is watching this movie for the very first time. And today, that person is me. We went and saw Josie and the Pussycats last night at the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, Timmy uh, had to get dragged in by me putting this on our podcast list. So, <laughs> yeah, we were initially going to do Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, and Tom and Tommy was like, you know, nobody's really seen it. It's kind of a cult movie. Like, let's let's do something a little more popular. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then he picked Josie and the Pussycats. So, great job, Which, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. So I know my box office bombs. I just wanted to watch this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it, listen, it was a good movie, but uh, Tommy was like, yeah, I, I just got tickets at the Alamo Draft House. Like, it's a screening at the Alamo. I love going to the Alamo. Always a great time. Shout out the Alamo. Yeah. What Tommy fails to mention to me is that this was like a fan event. So, <laughs> so, so first of all, like, we get, we get by the theater, we're, just, we're grabbing a drink, and Tommy's like, it's like 655 for a 715 like start start you know he's like all right we got to go i'm like the theater is 2 minutes away like calm down well walking, i know the theater we're, we're walking right, you, into the theater it. tommy is just hightailing it in front of us like like literally booking it <laughs> down the down the stairs towards the theater and me and our buddy will who was on the podcast last week shout out will we're like, all right, we got to go to the bathroom. So we go to the bathroom. My phone is vibrating while I'm at a urinal. I Will leaves before me. Tommy is like lecturing Will like he's a child for not like following him directly into the theater. Like, yeah, I get that the Alamo could be like strict on like starting times. But if it was like, hey, I got here at 710 and I just had to use the bathroom. Like. I, I no, they it. they are very strict. So this is the reason why I had an anxiety was because I know the Alamo won't let people in once the movie started. Right, but so I was I, in the I was in the theater before that, and I have yeah. absolutely have the right to use the bathroom. I was not entering the theater at seven twenty five. I entered the theater. Well, no, I think they mean like the actual. You you didn't enter the actual like screening. You entered the actual theater. Right, Tommy. But no movies start on time except for that stupid Batman thing we went to. That was the well, only- exactly. Batman fucked up my anxiety. <laughs> Yeah. Are, are you happy, and, Dark Knight? <laughs> and then, and then I gotta add on this. So then we get there. They have ki- kitten ears sitting on the table. These pen, oh yeah, these pen drumsticks that I just made Tommy throw on the bed because I knew he was just going to tap them the entire time and make me editing this podcast an absolute nightmare. And oh, then, I love to make it hard. <laughs> so, so it's like a fan event. Also, they gave out like a, a plastic microphone that you like blow up. I'm like, why'd you hand out this? That, that was the, that was the only part that I was like, oh, this is bullshit right here. Where it's like, okay, like I'm not gonna like blow into some random like blow up thing in the middle of like after we just went through COVID and everything like that. <laughs> like, that to begin with wasn't really. Oh, I don't vagina. care about that. But why am I? Uh, that's a lot of work to blow up. A- no, exactly. It's a lot of work. Like I don't think anyone else around us uh, decided no, no. to blow that part up. 
even <laughs> and which is surprising because the person Tommy was sitting on my left, there was a woman sitting on my right, and she was a huge Josie and the Pussycats fan. So much mm. so that she was singing along to every word of every song, which is fine. Like that, I get. Like Tommy didn't preface us that this was a fan event. I just thought it was like a normal. The thing is, thing. I, I told I told our friend Will that was a fan event, and I think I probably forgot to tell you because I thought I, I was like, oh, I told both of them, so Will knew going in, and that's why Will was immediately like putting on the cat ears and stuff like that. When we went in. I was startled, <laughs> but the, you were the, just like, you're like, what the fuck did I just get to? But the problem sitting next to the super fan of Josie and the Pussycats was that she was reciting every line of dialogue like a quarter of a second before the delivery. And and like, listen, I, I was this was an away game for me. Like I was not I, yeah, I was you're the not only, part of the home team. <laughs> me and Will were the only people in that theater that had never seen that movie before. One hundred percent. And. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna like like if this was a normal screening and somebody was doing that, I'd be like, you gotta shut up. But the not not the place. Sh- I mean, she had like, like how often does the Almo? Yeah, like how often does the Almo do their screening of Josie and the Pussycats? Not that often. So it's one of those things where like yeah, like you said, like normal screen, you tell them to shut the fuck up. But this one, this was almost like an event for her. This like meant a lot for her to yeah. go to just see it. She had Crocs on, like. Uh, like you could tell this was the event on the month like posting on facebook like seven times about it like i got my tickets to josie and the pussycats a month ago <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> no it's good i'm i'm very happy for her. tommy you do that shit yeah. so i don't i don't really want to hear it but i, I listen i wasn't gonna but i would just want to say my screening was a little bit impaired <laughs> because somebody was reciting the entire movie next to me <laughs> and Tommy, well, it, it kind of takes the air out of the jokes. And like, that's why, like, some of the jokes that I was laughing a lot, and I looked over at you, and you were just like stone faced almost. <laughs> well, I, listen, it was a funny movie. Th- that audience was ready to laugh. And I think they were laughing at, they were laughing at just things that weren't like even jokes. <laughs> they were just like laughing. Um, even you, Tommy, you were, you were laughing too. Well, yeah, uh, when other people laugh, I, I like to laugh too. I'm a, I'm a laughter filled guy. I'm yeah. full of joy. <laughs> that's a good way to put it anyway yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) josie and the pussycats on april 11th three small town girls you're a great crowd okay girls we need the lane now are going big time you want to sign us Mm -hmm. i'm a girl from riverdale i'm not a rock star you gotta believe in yourself Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, Rosario Dawson. No matter what happens, we will always be friends first. Josie and the Pussycats. Rated PG-13. At theaters Wednesday, April 11th. All right, so this is a 2001 musical comedy. It was written and directed by Harry Elfant and Deborah Kaplan. It stars Rachel Lee Cook as Josie, Tara Reid as Melody, Rosario Dawson as Valerie. Alan Cumming as Wyatt and Parker Posey as Fiona, the CEO of Mega Records. And this small town band gets swept up their feet after a crash landing by Riverdale, their hometown. Now I have to give them credit for not like shoving Archie in this. Yeah, they could have totally had like cameo. If this was like today, this would be like, the franchise setter for the MCU almost where it'd be like, oh, we got to have in like Sabrina get in there. We have to have Archie get in there or something, but it was like self-contained. They, like they would just be at the bowling alley that they start out in. Um, yeah. 
but this movie it, it's good it's it's funny it's funny and it was definitely ahead of its time um mm. i'm thinking about this movie because the plot of the movie is this mega boy band at the time they were assholes the record company was done with them they staged their their landing it sets the tone perfectly being like okay these people are fucking evil as shit but it's all comedic it's yeah. not it's not like heavy it's it doesn't feel real at all like nobody weeps when they die mm. or die quote unquote uh yeah and he crash lands by riverdale josie and the pussycats are playing a gig at a bowling alley nobody gives a fuck they get teased. <laughs> they you ha- they had to have the one bully scene in there with like the mean girls, you know, like the, yeah, from the car, just like screaming at them, being like, "Oh, like, you oh, are- you're not a good band. <laughs> yeah. You're a terrible band. <laughs> Nobody's gonna pay attention to you." Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, very typical kind of start of the story. And I actually thought it was interesting because I really liked the way they introduced the characters. Like they start with them like playing one of their songs like their their main song or whatever what's you do you know what it's called Tom? uh it's called uh three small word words so uh we'll touch on it later but the soundtrack of this movie for me personally i loved it <laughs> so it's a lot of great uh like 2000s it very keeps you in the 2000s pop punk era era where apparently like they just wanted to be like okay what if blink 182 was just all girls so that's essentially the emphasis on the soundtrack oh yeah the soundtrack was good uh but like the way they do the character intros it's like josie and you see her like doing like all this like she's like working three jobs she's always writing songs like okay get it hard working girl got it then you see uh valerie and you see her like helping out at like a soup kitchen like she works at foot locker or whatever like okay got it she's like the kind hearted one and then we get melody which is definitely the the funniest of these characters where you kind of get that she's a little ditzy and stuff and she's like an animal lover and then there's a really this was the first like big laugh from me whereas she's like outside holding like a sign to save cats like honk if you love cats honk if you love kittens and then she does one where it says honk if you love pussy and then there's just a car accident as soon as like, right there. And she just sprints out. She's like, oh, 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 oh. she's oh, she's oh, like, just see that? <laughs> Not my fault. Uh, Tara Reed definitely was like a comedic highlight of this movie. Uh, who played uh, that character, Melody? So she was just like a stereotypical, like ditzy character. But they didn't really make it like cruel in a way, or they didn't like really like pick on the fact that she was like very dumb, even though they pointed out. Well, she was I just. Thought- a- I thought she was going to be like like the slutty one, but she, she was just she was very sweet very much in yeah. her own world um this is i mean not that tara reed has some iconic filmography but this is probably her best performance yeah right. i mean uh, other than that i mean like we have tara reed for like american pie wouldn't really compete with this at all so i mean like but, but like i like yeah like i think of american pie tara reed's like this the 10th person i think about in in that movie she's not she's just someone that's in the movie (laughs) yeah she's not exactly memorable so i mean like yeah she's really just like really good at playing that one role you know (laughs) yeah it's her it's her lane it's it's kind of interesting because i was like looking at her filmography and seeing how she like kind of fell off and i know she had some drinking issues i know she had bad plastic surgery but i'm just like looking at it like this movie is a cult classic now, but it flopped. And then pretty yeah. much everything that wasn't American Pie after this just kind of like flopped or it was a slasher movie. 
Like, yeah, like a random slasher movie that like wasn't really known as like it wasn't like Scream Three or something like that, or like you know like a big one of those big franchises. So uh, it sucks because yeah, uh, this movie it uh, was budgeted at like thirty nine million and only grossed um, fourteen point nine million. So yikes! <laughs> so you, you see it definitely right there in the beginning. Uh, I mean, Rachel Lee Cook and uh, Tara Reid, especially their careers were pretty much just like never the same after this. You know, I don't think Rachel Lee Cook ever headlined like a major movie after this, unfortunately. Because she was great in this movie. This was the second biggest bombing of 2001. What? Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> Go in there. <laughs> 20 plus years, baby. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this, this movie's interesting. <laughs> Because when I say that, I think if this movie came out in like 2003, this movie would have done so much better, like mm-hmm. so much better. Mm-hmm. It, it's like crazy the t- how the timing of this movie doesn't release because like, all right, the style and the attitude of these girls is very on par with a lot of popular movies from this era, especially that were catered towards young, you know, young teenage girls. The music is of the time it's it's slapped out at a 2001 but i think in a pre 9-11 world they were not ready for how over the top satirical this movie was like there is a logo of a company in every single scene literally every single scene like josie has a love interest uh, what's his name um alan and Mm. he they're at the aquarium she's getting chased because like she they haven't even put out a song they put out like one song and she already has a billboard up in times square like they're the biggest people on the planet now and she's just like they run and they go into this like romantic thing looking at the back of whales and there's just like an evian water logo Mm -hmm. like it was yeah abundant 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 and i i think part of like like I, looking at some of the reviews, like some of the people were saying, like it was very ironic to try to take a shot at product placement when this movie is filled with it. I'm like, it's like, do you not? You're like, missing the point. <laughs> I, as I'm saying, like critics at the time were not savvy to the point of this movie. Yeah, I mean, they, they basically felt that it was just like, oh, like you're doing the thing that you're making fun of. But it's just like, it's the point of satire is very much pretty much just, uh, this is a very anti-capitalist movie for whatever it is and um part of the problem why it bombed was um i was reading some on buzzfeed today about it and um apparently when they're making this movie they were thinking of like you know they're they want us to be like a pg-13 you know people that grew up with the cartoons that are now teenagers will want to see this movie and that's why it has more of a pg-13 joke and tone to it and then uh once the marketing team came in for this movie they saw the marketing materials and the directors went holy shit they're going to sell this movie to 10 year old girls and this is not going to work whatsoever. So it goes over the heads of, you know, all the little kids that are seeing this movie when it should have been uh, uh, um, honestly marketed towards, you know, a teenage audience. <laughs> right. But something called Josie and the Pussycats was never going to go towards a contemporary audience in the year 2001. Like- no, well, it, well, they d- definitely course corrected because of this, because, um, you know, the Scooby-Doo movie was originally going to be like more hard PG-13. And once this movie bombed at the box office, like, okay, let's just make this a little more family friendly right here. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind I, of the riptide. 
Well, this movie is is weird. I feel like they almost probably felt that a little bit in production because they like one of my problems with this movie is that it just it feels like any of like the character development was just slapped on like like the feud between Josie and Valerie. It's it 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 does not exist at all before. And then it's it's only like five minutes of the movie. And then they tacked on this moral of the movie with so Fiona and Wyatt, who are Parker Posey and Alan Cumming, like they're the record label people. And it turns out they're hiding like all their misfigures, like they want to be cool. The message that was going to go out at this big concert that everybody bought these stupid ears that they could only listen to the concert through this headset with the kitten ears that Tommy is currently wearing. I'm a little worried about like the rabbit hole you're going to go down with these. This is this is not this is not going to be a permanent thing where I'm going to be wearing these fucking like uh, bunny ears out or kitty ears out. Uh, Listen, Tommy, we don't kink shame, but please don't go down a furry (laughs) roll because, you know, like don't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is this is uh, this is like a two night thing. So now once we're done this podcast, these fucking uh, kitty ears are getting retired. So uh, sorry to all our furry fans out there. there. Yeah, well, listen, we don't kink shame, but I just, I don't, I think Tommy having to sweat in a suit would just be bad for all parties involved. So that's, that's really my main concern. Yeah, let's, let's not, let's not have that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, back to, back to this great movie that we saw. (laughs) But uh, as I'm saying, like they kind of just like tacked on character development and like a point of the movie. And it was kind of like, like the marketing and this should have been in cahoots because i think this could have been a good movie either way like if it was if the over the top like product placement and like the messaging about like anti-capitalism was under the surface just something that an adult might pick on they set a more traditional storyline to it i think Mm. i think this movie would have killed like i think this movie would have done gangbusters uh, yeah. Or they should have just leaned completely into this satire, like ignore any character developments and just make like some wacky movie. Because like I'm honestly thinking, I'm thinking like what's a comparable movie to this? Like I'm thinking Anchorman, like this weird satire, right? Like like this weird, yeah, unique world that that is it is our world. It doesn't seem that far from our world, but these mm-hmm. characters are all over the top and ridiculous in reality it's so it's, heightened yeah at first i was thinking like uh like oh like a couple movie would be like the scooby-doo movie um because i was like oh like both hand of characters but the scooby-doo movie is much more straightforward uh compared to this where like that literally just feels like literally the cartoon come to life whereas this is just like this is a little bit different than the cartoon which the cartoon I remember like watching the KG on cartoon network back in the day on like a saturday morning and it was boring they, nothing really interesting about the josie and the pussycats cartoon here you know yeah, it's it's interesting with Hanna Barbera. I'm nostalgic to the idea of Hanna Barbera cartoons, but boy, if you really try to dig into a Hanna Barbera cartoon in the year 2022, they don't age really well. Yeah, okay. like the Flintstones is essentially like a ripoff of the Honeymooners. I mean, I mean and like the, Jetsons the Jetsons is a ripoff of the Flintstones, which is a ripoff yeah. of the Honeymooners. I, listen, I I love like that art style. I think it's like really unique. I and I get it. It was like cheap animation at the time to just kind of shove on Saturday mornings for kids to watch. But mm. yeah, like I don't think I'd ever watch a Josie and the Pussycat cartoon. Like, like the uh, only Hanna-Barbera I think that would I'd like honestly go back to would be Scooby-Doo. Yeah. There's a reason he's but, the king, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, he's the king. Like, I, I remember, like, even when I was a kid, hating like Yogi Berra and like fucking Huckleberry Finn. I remember always thinking oh, those like. See, I like those. Cartoons. I well, the cartoons aren't like that great. I just always thought like the character designs were always very unique, and I always well, yeah, yeah, like they had very unique characteristics, and they were very one note. They're Saturday morning cartoons. Like they did mm-hmm. like the this the the Justice League show or whatever the hell it was called. Uh, the Super like, Friends. Yeah, whatever it's called, like. That's just your Saturday morning. Like, there's not, there's, there's nothing here. It's just a very simple story. So, mm. I, on that, I just, I feel like this movie is just kind of in between limbo. Watching it today in today's lens, and if you're not, if you don't know every word to this movie, you're not going to sit there and be like, this is just a masterpiece. This is masterful filmmaking. It's really solid filmmaking. It has really, really funny moments. Um, yeah, really good performances. Like Rachel Lee Cook is fantastic in this like she plays the girl next door perfectly but she's in between like trying to be confident and and like being very insecure about coming from a small town girl to the biggest star on the planet in Mm. a week right like there's a joke they make then like isn't it weird that this all just happened in less than a week right like the movie is kind yeah, of yeah. Meta in that sense they, they, they realize like how like ridiculous this whole premise is uh i, I was telling you this last night after our screening um rachel lee cook was like a really great actress with like her eyes in general i mean not 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 just saying in terms of looks but like throughout the movie she does so many things where she's just like fluttering her eyes back and forth and like very clearly just like making the eyes a big part of her performance and very big and just really adds to the humor like when her uh potential lover interest what's his name darren again or something uh alan 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 yeah so like there's one point where alan's just like oh like what should i say to a person that like you know i think likes me but i'm afraid to and she's like you should say yes and he's like oh cool i'll tell so and so and you oh, can see in her eyes somebody had had bad smell like somebody oh yeah bad. yeah you want to tell you want to, you want to tell something someone you're not sure how they would uh how they're to, gonna react like, to it and she's like fluttering yeah. her eyes like yeah like, no, oh, she- you're talking about me and then the second that he's like, oh, no, like it smells bad. And she, she realized it's not about her. She's like literally flooding her eyes back and forth and just like, uh, what? What? You can see right in the performance right there. So she was really great in that like cartoonish aspect. aspect. Well, it's it's, a, it's funny, too, because like I think Tara Reid is like, I would say like the, the breakout star, like she's hysterical in this. There's actually one clip here that uh, so she, she was dating Carson Daly at the time and they had her. Well, they in, met on this film. Oh, is this where they met? I thought they were dating before yeah. that. But no, no, they, they met here. But anyways. So they have like great chemistry. Basically, they're, the record company is trying to kill off uh, Zaria Dawson and Tara Reid to, so Josie could be the star and they'll just put puppets in their place. It doesn't matter. We just want the one person. We don't need the other two. We don't need that kind of free thought from them. And then this is when they go to TLC to or uh, what was it tlr was the sh- that was the, sh- uh, the show? To- yeah total request line. trl uh, trl uh there's yeah, gonna yeah. be people that are gonna be like tim how did you not know that <laughs> it's been a while since the early 2000s folks <laughs> yeah but he, they um they they're like oh they're just gonna do an exclusive on youtube and then they go to this like cardboard set and they try to kill them and carson daly is the person that's in, in charge of killing melody and uh this is the way the scene goes i can't believe you're a killer you seem so nice on tv really you know i always thought you were kind of hot too bad (laughs) i always thought you were kind of hot too you did what's your sign scorpio 
The cancer. <laughs> no way. My favorite movie is Lady and the Tramp. When the dogs are eating spaghetti and they share the same piece. And, and their, their noses, noses touch. touch. <laughs> God, you know, if I wasn't a key player in this whole conspiracy to brainwash the youth of America with pop music, like we could totally date. You think? Oh, yeah. God, it's so cool. Like... Ah! Yeah, right, like I'd ever go out with a guy like you. Yeah, so it listen, it was she was great in this. I she like I know she's typecast as like the ditzy blonde or whatever, just like your stereotypical like hot blonde or whatever. But this feels like leagues better and leagues apart from what she did in like American Pie, which is honestly all I'm really familiar with her from for everything else. American Pie and like Van Wilder were just like very it, Van Wilder was well, the same character as as American Pie. It was the same person. Yeah, she did, didn't have a chance to really be the funny person in either of those movies. I, mean, yeah. I can't remember a joke, like her being like a part of the joke. So she really got to flex her comedic chops right here. I mean, she, I think, honestly had some of the best lines in the movie or like some of the best jokes. Like, um, well, she would just, they would just ask her a question and she would just reply with like French fries. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, my, my, my favorite was when uh, they're doing the internal monologue of everyone and like uh, they're like, uh, uh, Rachel Lee Cook's like freaked out, like, oh my God, like, must be also jealous of me or something like that. And Rosario Dawson's freaking out about something else. And then uh, Tara Reed's inner monologue is just like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. I, w- I would like to note that the audience was clapping along. At the they theater. were. You were clapping, Tommy. Do you not remember? Uh, yeah, when you, I guess I was in like the high of the theater, man. <laughs> yeah, the high of the theater. Sure, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, Whatever yeah, yeah. you say. Um, yeah, exactly. But it, it's actually interesting kind of looking back at this because I would say Rosario Dawson, not that she's bad, like she's perfectly good. Probably her character was just completely underwritten. Like the only thing they gave her was that she was jealous that Josie is the front lady when it's mm-hmm. like Josie and the Pussycats just has a much better ring than Valerie and the Pussycats. Sorry, sweetheart. It just does. Like you got to sometimes take your L's and move I, on. I, I, do, I do love the meta aspect of it where Alan Cumming uh, is just like, would you rather see a band called the Pussycats or would you rather go see a movie or a band or a cartoon Ga- called game. Josie and the yeah. Pussycats? <laughs> yeah. Um, and but to, so it's, it's weird like it just felt like she was underwritten and it's funny because she's the biggest star out of these three by a mile 20 years later yeah which is, but, i think this was one of her first movies if not yeah. her very first um, yeah it's very early she's very young here yeah she's had a fantastic um, career and now she's even she's even ahsoka and like the live action of like the star wars tvs like she's getting her she, own star wars show like man she's yeah. killing it Making it's one money. of those things it's one of those things that like uh you know from a social media aspect this morning when we were posting about uh me wearing the bunny ears at the tv at uh, the screening uh i looked up hashtag like rachel lee cook dad to the post and hashtag uh terry and you know the three big stars and obviously of the three uh rosario dawson had the biggest hashtag mentions and stuff like that and terry was only like 5k men or not terry Lee cook was only 5k which is like oof that's brutal <laughs> So you can see like where their careers came from after this. If you're ever curious about hashtags, talk to Tommy. Uh, let's leave it off the podcast, kid. You know? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, analytic wise, but uh, it, it, yeah, of the three, I mean, like Rosario Dawson has l- the least to do. So, I mean, I can't really think of like one moment in the movie where she was the standout, like funny part, or she had a very funny joke, or a- she was the standout like figure. She was always kind of just there. Yeah, it, yeah. It's unfortunate, but it, it also doesn't help that Alan Cumming and Parker Posey, who are the other two main like characters, they're the antagonists of the movie, are just so they're both so goddamn good like parker posey especially is just fantastic in this operation big concert where we finally take things to the next level when josie and the pussycats play their stadium concert all the kids in the audience as well as the ones watching at home will have to purchase these it's the debut of 3dx surround sound a new technology that makes the music feel like it's happening all around you like 3D. Gentlemen, a demonstration. This is what those kids think they're hearing on those headsets. And this is what they're really hearing. Conform. Free will is overrated. Jump on the bandwagon. Hey, that voice. I know that voice. It's, um, uh... It's Mr. Movie Phone. Yes! He does all our subliminal tracks. There is no such place as Area 51. So if you're wondering why Tommy did a movie phone at the start, a movie phone voice at the start of this podcast, it's because the movie phone guy was maybe the biggest character in this entire movie. He was the integral part of yeah (laughs) of this. But it's funny watching this because my first thought when I saw uh, Parker Posey in this movie, I went, "Elizabeth Banks is in this movie." (laughs) That was my first (laughs) reaction because yeah, they they look so similar. Like the dialect is so similar. Like if you just listen to that and I did not just mention Parker Posey, there would be people who'd be like, is that Elizabeth Banks? Like she's a little young for, for this at this point, right? 2001. Yeah. No, uh, it's, it's one of those things we were talking about this last night where it's um, did Elizabeth Banks market correct Parker Posey, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Like I would imagine Parker Posey just despises Elizabeth Banks. She's like, yeah, I should have been in the fucking hunger games. I should have been in fucking pitch. Perfect. Are you kidding me? That was mine. Um, But no, Parker Posey. I mean, like, you know, as cliche as it is to say on Twitter, she really understood the the assignment of this movie where she was perfectly over the top in a way that was just worked for the movie and just was fucking hilarious. And she just had great moments. Like in that scene there where later on she goes like, Oh, like, I didn't say anything. What are you talking about? And just like going back and forth. And she just had a great zany manic energy that this movie kind of needed. Yeah. And, and like her whole thing was like, she just wanted to be like, she was unpopular. Like when the pussycats go to this party that she's hosting, like they're in her room and it's like, it's like a seven-year-old girl's dream bedroom. And they're like doing like girl talk. And it was very like off-putting, but you get a good view of this character because she has to be so like in control when she's working because her company is not a record label it's a brainwashing Mm -hmm. studio so when she's like on her own she wants to just be like a seven-year-old girl which which is interesting because you don't really see villains where you're able to really empathize with their motives not that this movie is like some masterful character die but it's just it's interesting i i feel like a lot of movies failed to make the antagonist interesting and they made the antagonist interesting in this movie 
And one of the more like hilarious parts of the movie, both her and Alan Cumming, who just knew what was going on in this movie and they knew the manic energy, like Alan Cumming talking about talking to a goth girl, then saying, like, oh, we have a smells like teen spirit here, and just very perfectly zany and just understood the meta aspect of this. <laughs> so so I think the interesting thing, and this is literally the thing I've thought about this movie the most since leaving the theater, is that this they should make a sequel to this movie. And I would rarely say that if you've followed along, you know that I'm not like, let's just make a sequel for the sake of sequels. But this would play today. And when you think about how many different kind of streaming services, YouTube, you have like TV, you have TikTok, you have so many different avenues. You have this whole nostalgia angle too, where these companies are just digging up graves and just being like, it's getting a lot of streams on Spotify. Like, let's get you back on tour. Like all that shit. Like you could do an excellent sequel. Like it almost kind of writes itself, right? Like they're back in Riverdale. Like Josie's owns a record store. Um, Melody, Melody's like a drum teacher. Valerie, Valerie L- works at the high school or whatever. Yeah. Hospital, doesn't matter. And yeah. then the nostalgia bug kicks in and like, and like maybe maybe the nostalgia is literally bugs, right? Like there's just these little things that they're releasing. Yeah, it could be a skin. little thing that's like over TikTok or something like that. Like one of their songs was featured in the TikTok, and all of a sudden, Josie and the Pussycats are fucking popular again. <laughs> but if if I'm the director, if I'm the you know the Wyatt, if I'm the music man, I'm going, yes, girls, we're bringing you back, but you're no longer Pussycats. You're Milfy Cats. So the name of this sequel will be Josie and the Milfy Cats. Come on. It's there. It's just, it's like there because that it's, this is it's sitting there right there for you. It's the same, it's the same energy that this that this movie has. Like Wyatt would have said the exact same thing in that in this movie. Like that that's the exact same thing they would have done. Yeah. And like Talk, talk about a scandalous title, but it, I feel like a movie that is like, if you want to get the tone of it, like people are either going to think it's porn or going to think like this is a really heavy satire. I, I think a lot of people will think it's porn, to be completely honest yeah. with you. We're, we're operating in a world where we uh, uh, think that fucking Hanna-Barbera would allow uh, the name of the sequel to be that. <laughs> uh, bro, Hanna-Barbera is are dead and like everything but Scooby-Doo means nothing to them. So I, I'm not concerned. <laughs> that's like, that's it. the only viable IP that uh, them and Archie have. I mean, uh, fuck Josie and Pussycats are on uh, Riverdale now. And it's, uh, no, I don't know. Fuck that show. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I never watched it, but I just, I think about this movie and there's, there are so many big <laughs> ideas. No, there are there. This movie has so many big ideas. And I just think about the past 20 years, how the direction of America has gone, how, the capitalism has become like like these subtle messages are definitely in a lot of content that people make. Like there was a thing that the Biden administration was paying TikTokers to like start educating people on Ukraine, mm. like to to like put these messages out there. Like obviously that's a much more broad example, but I'm saying like you're telling me behind the scenes there isn't some kind of this layering in there. Like just think about well, podcasts. Think about podcasts. Think about how many of them are just like. You know me, I love my loot box. Like, oh man, I love getting my loot box every month. You know, it's yeah. only $9.99 and I get I get a wave of wide variety of products. Like, oh, I get socks with characters. Josie, 
Josie and the Pussycats was very precedent about the subliminal messaging that we hear all the time and stuff like this where like you know you have to think like if you hear a song on a, a viral tiktok and stuff like that how much it blows up like i mean dreams a amazing song by fleetwood mac really became a top 10 single again because of fucking the, the guy TikTok drinking that, yeah. that, like the cell the cranberry company like paid this guy because of how big that like the cranberry was selling yeah. out when that was a thing right like that was like peak covid too where everybody mm. was just sick of it and it was just like Oh, like the election was going on, which is just a nightmare if you're paying attention. Yeah. And it's just this like cool, just wavy guy. He's just drinking, he's just drinking some he's just vibing. juice. He's just <laughs> vibing, man. Like people love yeah. vibes. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you are an executive and you want a really good sequel, hire me and Tommy because like we if I'm getting paid, like I will give you a banger of a script. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I will watch every, I will read every Josie and the Pussycats comic. I'll watch all the cartoons. I will make this <laughs> you'll, you'll understand the IP. <laughs> I will learn this IP outside of this movie if you give me the chance, bro. If you want to put yeah. out a banger and put it on, like, put ne- Netflix. Come on. Reach out. It's there. It's, it's there. We got this. <laughs> we got this. Um, so I know you wanted to talk on the, the soundtrack quickly. Yeah, so uh, the soundtrack uh, is honestly, I think, one of the highlights of this movie. Um, the lead, uh, none of the singers of this, um, none of the actors, rather, of this movie uh, end up performing the actual soundtrack, but they were uh, instructed to go to band camp to make it look like they could actually fucking play their instruments. Uh, important part of any band movie. But instead, uh, Rachel Lee Cook, I mean, there's a lot of good people that were involved in this uh, soundtrack. Um, for example, the voice of Josie, um, her singing voice was Kay Hanley of the 90s band Letters to Cleo. Um, we also had some people like Adam Schlesinger from uh, Fountains of Wayne uh, involved and members of like the Go-Go's like Jane Wielden. And it was just like a really great like pop punk kind of like vibe and everything with the soundtrack. And they really added to it. Um, and basically pretty much, I think the soundtrack ironically is the most popular thing about this movie. Uh, it was even more successful than the actual movie itself. Whereas like this movie we were talking about earlier was a huge box office bomb. Somehow this soundtrack was a gold album, like certified gold album, which means 500,000 copies sold. So people actually like probably still remember the soundtrack, but if you didn't mention anything else about this movie, people would probably be like, I don't know. <laughs> so it's weird that that's the thing that endured. Yeah. Well, the music is so of the time, like it's just <laughs> so of the time. Like, it was exactly what I expected it to be when you're like, okay, Josie and the Pussycats, they're wearing these, like, cheap kitten ears. Yeah. It's 2001. What is the music going to sound like? And then, like, the first song plays, and I was like, this is exactly what it's what I'd expect it to sound Think like. Think, like, Good Charlotte or, like, uh, Blink-182, you know, your typical pop-punk fans of the era. I, no, I, I think it's more in line... I don't, I don't know, like, the best artist. It feels like... They definitely took elements of that kind of like pop punk scene, but made it way poppier, way poppier, yeah. like yeah. more like taking like Christina Aguilera and and that kind of sound and then combining it with Blink-182 was definitely like the main objective with the soundtrack. Yeah, and it's, it's also just like how they fit in like something like Dirty Lines in there, like calling it like a brown, I'm a brown paper magazine, like as in like a porno magazine and stuff like that. Um, so they were able to sneak in more dirty stuff in this movie, which really pushed like the PG-13 rating. That's why you love this movie so much, because it's not PG, because it's PG-13. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, now we have actually the hardest question we have to ask here. I am a star. 
star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. So who stole the show? Like, who's like the star? Because I think there there's four possible candidates and I'm not exactly sure. I don't I don't actually have like a premeditated answer here. Like, I think I need to talk this one out because it's between Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, yeah. Alan Cumming and Parker Posey. Like, those are the big four performances. Um of opinion. the four, uh, those would be my four too, because um, like we said, unfortunately, Rosario Dawson's not given much to do. But um, I'd say Parker Posley. Um, I think that like the second she walks into the movie, she has just incredible energy right there and just like going a mile a minute, uh, going like so fucking fast and so fucking zany and so fucking cartoony. And she just has, I think, some of the best lines in the movie. I actually, I think I'm going to go with Alan Cumming and we didn't really touch <laughs> on him, but his performance is great. He plays your, you know, slimy record executive. And he's really like the driving force of this movie. Like nothing happened. Like nobody else instigates anything except for Alan coming. Like he literally drives the entire plot of this movie, which there's not much, but um, he's in the movie a ton. Uh, he's, he shares, if not as much screen time as the Pussycats, it's, it's got to be damn close. And he's just a random character. I mean, you got, uh, we didn't even touch upon the cold open of this movie with Seth Green and Don Faison. Oh, right. Yeah. Com- they're Dupont yeah. and they're the boy band that's just gotten too big and they're like complaining about like the most petty shit and, yeah. and Wyatt is their manager or, or it seems like he's their manager and he's like, yes, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And he walks into the cockpit of the plane and he goes, yeah. it's time. Him and the, and the pilot just parachute out and the plane yeah plane the way he is says it to, to crash <laughs> like, oh. yeah he yeah. says it's so funny though he's like oh we're gonna take the chevy to the levee um so it, basically because he uh the band jour found out like the subliminal mind control messages in the sound and their music that's going on i was like what <laughs> oh right yeah that's that's what it was i th- i thought at first like because like, i didn't know exactly where it's going mm-hmm. when they heard it when it like before like the plane dropped and i was like okay this is something soft here i thought it was going to be like josie and the pussycats were recording like next door and they like like the sound got crossed in it or something like that and he was gonna be like let me find this band nope that was not that was not correct that was a completely wrong read of mm. this movie um yeah i i think it's between alan cumming and parker posey but it's i'm not i want to say that tara reed and rachel lee cook like a- actually killed it like they're great in yeah. this like they're perfect leads for this movie it's it's just it would be a different conversation if this movie grossed like 90 million dollars and they made a sequel instead of this movie making 14.9 million dollars um, yeah it's just unfortunate and, that 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 this movie kind of like derailed any a-list possibility for for both of them unfortunately and then rosaria dawson she is the star of her career so she was like oh i'm fine <laughs> i'll show up in her stuff <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. She does show up in a lot of stuff. If this movie was a box office success, what do you think would have happened in Hollywood? I think that we would have seen a ton of live action adaptations of fucking Hanna-Barbera cartoons. I mean, we saw Scooby-Doo, but we've seen Jabberjaw. We would have seen um, Yogi I, Bear. I mean, we did see that eventually. but I uh, like that Jabberjaw is your first go-to Hanna-Barbera character over like Yogi Bear, 
the Flintstones, the Jetsons. Well, the Flintstones already happened. I mean, I'm shocked that we have yet to see a live action adaptation of the, the Jetsons. I mean, I think the moment has passed. I don't think it would have been successful now if we did that. But, you know, I mean, the you Flintstones expect- wasn't really. So- oh, I guess the first one was because they made a sequel, uh, even though it's yeah. terrible. Well, the sequel, uh, funny enough, was actually written by the people that directed this movie. So uh, they were very inside the hands of Hanna-Barbera at the time. And they made the Brady Bunch sequel, too. So a very Brady sequel. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, we've seen like Tom and Jerry since then happen. And that movie sucked. You know, what do you have seen? Johnny Quest, the live action movie? (laughs) Listen, you just it's you have to do you have to do what this movie did. And you have to completely abandon the idea of it and just take the ips and do something different with like you have to completely abandon the core identity like the uh, outside of like they wear cat ears and they're a band and they have tails when they perform like you got to abandon like you got to cut out like all the archie shit you got to cut out all the garbage yeah. and you got to just do your own thing with it man which is why this movie works and the flintstones doesn't granted something like the flintstones is like too big to do that even the, I feel like maybe the Jetsons, you could do something pretty satirical with it. Maybe I, I don't know. To an extent, I mean, Josie and the Pussycats. I don't think it was an IP that pretty much people loved or like were obsessed with, which is why probably a part of the reason why this movie bombed. And you know, Hanna Barbera didn't help with this movie because they like one, they were they disavowed this movie because of how like dirty they thought it was. <laughs> well, good thing they're dead, so we can make Josie and the Milfy Cats. There we go. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. So, does this movie work as a Muppet adaptation? I think yes. <laughs> I mean, this movie is kind of has a cartoonish tone, so I think that like with over the top zany Muppets in there, it would work perfectly. <laughs> I I agree, and I am. If I'm picking one human in this movie, I'm keeping Tara Reid. Everybody else can be a Muppet. It's just going to mm-hmm. be Tara Reid. Like, well, Terry was the one Muppet I nailed down where Terry would be played by Janice. No, but I'm saying I'm saying I don't want Janice to play her. I want Tara Reid talking to Muppets. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And then she's just like clapping her hands. And like, that whole scene in the shower, where she's clapping her hands, but there's Muppets around this right. time. Like you have <laughs> your P- Piggy would be Valerie. Um, yeah. You just have Janice be Josie, which is fine. Um, yeah. You could have like, uh, I don't I don't know. You could have who, who would be a good... Um, Wyatt, who would be good as Wyatt? I'm trying. Kermit would be Wyatt. Kermit would be Wyatt. Yeah. I'm trying um, to think who would replace Parker Posey because it, it was a toss up between those two that you had to keep. But I was like, you want to have? Like, I think some... Parker Posey might honestly be more of a Miss Piggy. She's she, she, yeah, maybe maybe a Miss Piggy is Parker Posey, and you just pluck another yeah. <laughs> female Muppet because there's not a ton of yeah. female Muppets. Girl Muppets, what unfortunately. The, what the hell? What the hell, Jim Henson? Come on, what, sexist where's, where's much? Girl Muppets. Yeah. Make female Muppets. That's that's gonna be trending on Twitter now. Yeah, we gotta get that. No, we don't. Okay, Tommy, review time. Give me All your right, score. So, so I've only seen this movie uh about six months before our screening back in September. Um but this movie I th- immediately was taken by the soundtrack. The soundtrack has been my constant rotation since I watched this at first um and it really adds to the movie and i think it's a really funny zany cartoony movie and just like 
the performances all understand what they're going for. And I love the satirical band on the music industry and pretty much pop culture at large. So I'm going to go with four out of five. So I want to just preface this by saying I liked this movie. It is a, it is a funny movie. It's zany. You probably haven't seen many things quite like it that's this over the top. I just think I wish it settled in one direction. I mentioned it before. I wish it was either just completely zany over the top and they didn't even bother trying to shove like messages and like character development in it. Or I wish they put some of this stuff under the surface a little more and they gave like a more traditional story arc which is probably what they should have done. And this movie probably would have caught on more. It's funny. I would rewatch it again, but I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. I just, I think it's, it's a cult movie for a reason. And that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be rated high for it to be a good movie. I don't think the score always needs to reflect that. Like it, it is a solid movie. You're, you will have a lot of fun watching it. I just think there's like, gaps in the movie that i think could have made it i i've seen so much potential and that's why i was like kind of harping on the sequel in this and i just i feel like they didn't finish the job and it's just it almost feels incomplete like it almost feels like there's one thing missing that was mm. stopping this movie from being a hit movie and i don't know exactly what it is i'm not a scientist but that's just my take Okay. <laughs> Any thoughts, Tommy? Because because I it's a, that's probably one of the biggest I, score differences that we've had. Yeah, the biggest score differences. I mean, I, I have to wonder about your takes because uh, two out of five for me would not be a solid movie. I didn't say two. I didn't say two out of five. I said two and a half out of five. Yeah, Tommy, but your scoring system is terrible. So like, yeah, I, yeah. I, well, well, well. My 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 thing is three and a half uh, or more is a movie I like, and below that is a movie like yeah, I had some elements I liked, but no, um, I, I just so I. I I I think that the movie, you know, in some ways, yeah, probably could have gone a little bit further, but I think that throughout it, it was a fun movie and it kept me entertained throughout it. And I think I, maybe they could have gone a little further, but whatever. Yeah, and I, I, that was I, I echo those sentiments. It's just me like looking at it and me like, like my entire day was just me like thinking about like ways to make a sequel out of this movie. And like they just, the ideas just kept kind of pouring into my brain like how many different avenues it could actually explore and i was just like like this movie was incomplete like if we recorded this last night i probably would have given it a three out of five but Mm i i feel i just feel it's like it was almost what i wanted where it would have been maybe like a four out of five you know like a really great movie i it's a very good movie it's it's funny i just it feels incomplete to me and i just that's that's where i am on the the score i just don't I I would totally recommend this for people to watch. I just it feels incomplete to me and I think other people would maybe feel similar to this if like like I, I don't know like the original sound, soundtrack doesn't like I don't it, it was it was nice yeah, it's, it was it's fit the thing it's, it's not, not going to I'm not going to listen to it, you know. It's not it's not the type of soundtrack it's not the type of genre that you really like love and stuff. No, like I that. I like um, the genre it's just like I'm not going to like go out of my way to search for it. Yeah, yeah, that's not the type of music that you like put on like a like every day or something like that. Or um, so, uh, yeah, it's the difference of that. I mean, the movie for me worked in a lot of ways comedically, um, and honestly, my expectations when I first heard about this movie and when I haven't watched it before September was, you know, it's a box office bomb, so you seem like oh it's shit, you know. And I would think I was honestly just taken away by like how much better light than it was I would have expected. All right, awesome. 
So, yeah. yeah, that's Josie and the Pussycats. So, please, please, please like and subscribe. Give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. And thank you all very much for listening today. Next week, we're going to come back with The Sandlot, coinciding with baseball's opening day. We'll talk to you then.